Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Good to be with you all today, tonight. Um, hope that the week is going okay. Really glad that uh, we can be together on this dreary uh, evening. And, um, you know, I love uh, getting to be here with you guys. And uh, it's really special for me to be able to open up the word with you each week. And uh, I say this every now and then, I should say it more, but uh, myself, Jeb, and Hannah, we all want to get to know you guys and uh, spend time with you apart from uh, Thursday night. So I uh, hope we can be doing more of that. And uh, yeah, we're doing this uh, series this semester uh, that many of you know about because I say it every week, and it's called All of Life Belongs to God. And what we've been uh, kind of talking about is this idea that uh, God made everything and everything in our world is relevant to him and so the things that we think about the most and the things that we talk about the most uh, God actually has something to say about all those things that we need to pay attention to and for the last few weeks we've been focusing mainly on relationships and different types of relationships and aspects of relationships. And we're going to move away from that a little bit and just, I want us to think in the next few weeks just about some other things that come up a lot in life that we really need to talk about and that we need to hear uh, from God about. And what we're going to talk about tonight is the topic of anxiety and worry. And one of the reasons I want to talk about it is just because it's very common on the college campus and uh, it's also very common in my life as well. And so uh, we just, you know, it's kind of everywhere and we need to talk about it and see what uh, hope God can give us and what wisdom God can give us. And so uh, to look at it, we're going to look at this passage from the book of Philippians. And so uh, I'll read it for us. This is the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, uh, writing to Christians in a place called Philippi, which is like kind of modern day Greece or so. And uh, they're people he's met, but now he's in prison. And so he helped start a church with these people, and now he's writing them from prison. And this is one of the things he says to them uh, near the end of that letter. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray again. Uh, Father, as we come to this text now, would you guide us? Would you give us insight and wisdom? Uh, Would you apply its truth to our hearts and make us different? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know it's not like news to you guys that uh, anxiety is a big deal on the college campus. Uh, I'm part of a group of uh, religious leaders at UConn and we meet once every couple of months and a lot of times 
Uh, UConn will bring in like a speaker to talk about issues on campus. And uh, I remember a couple years ago, someone came in uh, from counseling and mental health services to kind of just update us on the trends in, uh, especially in the realm of like anxiety among college students. And what they found is that compared to maybe five or even 10 years ago, uh, anxiety levels on the college campus have just done like this. You know, they've just gone exponentially up, uh, and more and more students than more students than ever, way more students than ever, are going in to get help for anxiety on the college campus. And you know, anxiety is something that is part of my story as well. Something I've struggled with a lot, and something I still kind of work through to this day. And so. Uh, it's important that we talk about it, but when, when we look at this passage and what I, when I talk tonight, what I don't want to convey is that if you're anxious, it's just because you're not trusting God and that's it. Uh, you know, I don't want to convey if you're anxious, you just need to pray more and that's it. Or I don't want to convey if you're anxious, here's three steps to not be anxious anymore. And the reason I don't want to do that is because the Bible also takes the human body seriously. Uh, the Bible takes the effects of sin on us, sin against us seriously. It takes the effects of trauma seriously. And uh, for some of us, anxiety uh, runs pretty deep. For some of us, anxiety works kind of like an autoimmune disease. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You know, it's, it atta- anxiety attacks the very mechanism we need to fight it. And so like telling an anxious person to not be anxious can sometimes be like telling a drowning person to swim. And it's just like, you know, I can't. That's the problem. It attacks the thing we need to get out of it. And, uh, you know, sometimes anxiety sinks its roots very deep into us. And what we need to acknowledge is that it may be a long process of loosening the grip that anxiety holds on us. Uh, another way to put that is that mind over matter is not a biblical idea. You know, but mind over matter is more of like a Buddhist idea or an ancient Greek idea. Um, and so for that reason, um, you know, the, the Bible values the physical. And so medication may be something that anxious people need or uh, exercise, breathing ex- exercises, uh, mindfulness exercises, good therapy, community, something we talk about a lot in RUF. All of these are factors uh, that need to be part of the anxiety discussion. Uh, in other words, you know, if you're in the middle of, of a panic attack, what you need in that moment is like oxygen. And then you can think about, you know, am I trusting God and that kind of thing. And, uh, and what you, we need to see is that all throughout the Bible, God is very gentle with anxious people. Uh, but Paul does address anxiety in this passage. And what I, wanted, I just want to spend a few minutes thinking through what kind of anxiety is he talking about in this passage. Um, Paul here is talking about kind of a general anxiety that is common to most people. And I read, someone writing on this passage put it this way. He said that anxiety in this passage is to carry the burden of the future oneself. Anxiety in this passage is to carry the burden of the future oneself. Um, I wonder, as you're going about college, life at school, are you carrying the burden of the future yourself? Uh, 
when we think about anxiety in those terms, we have to realize that Yukon is a place that's full of anxiety uh, because this is this like transitional place, right? Everyone's thinking about their future, and most people are thinking about their future and carrying this burden alone. Most people are avoiding God entirely at college, and so anxiety is just in the water here. Uh, everywhere you go, you will he- overhear people bearing the weight of their future alone. And I just want to share with you guys a few ways that I see it. Um, like on the posters that you see everywhere that are like, have you gotten an internship yet? You know, you need to have an internship. Or just the, the conversations you overhear that are like, have you gotten an internship? Uh, as if like that is the thing that will set your life up forever. Or... Uh, telling someone what your major is and having them immediately say, so what are you going to do with that? Right? Happens a lot. Not that there's anything wrong with that question, but, uh, you know, that's something that can create anxiety. Um, At UConn, um, there's just a lot of being consumed by the future. Sorry, that's distracting. Uh, It's okay. (laughs) Um, Okay, a couple... Few ways that we get consumed by the future. Um, here's one that I've seen. We I was talking about it with some people this morning. Uh, doing poorly in a class and immediately jumping to like how it will affect your future way down the road, um, or the intense shame that many people feel when they change their major just because they have to. Really common at UConn. Um, I do this all, this kind of thing all the time. It's just this inability to focus on what's right in front of me without reverting to like, how will this affect me way down the road? Um, taking a test in the middle of the semester and immediately calculating its effect on your final grade and GPA uh, way down the road, right? Um, or outside of school, you know, staying in a bad relationship uh, for fear of ending up alone someday. And another effect would just be all the residual burnout that we feel uh, from all these things, you know, from this like always thinking about the future and maybe just like quitting everything for a while. And so what we need to see here is that Paul is not saying no big deal. He's not like minimizing it because, uh, you know, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Like this, the anxiety level that he's talking about, like it's very real. He's writing to people that were being killed, some of whom were being killed because of their faith. And so what Paul's not saying here is like, don't be anxious, it's not a big deal. Um, you know, God is well aware that jobs, a lot of jobs that you might get would require a college degree with good grades and that a job is usually a requirement to, I don't know, make money and have clothes and food on your, you know, clothes on your back and food on your table and to be able to function in society. And so God, God knows that. And, you know, on a level, that is a big deal to him. Um, but what Paul is writing is that we were never meant to bear that burden alone. I wonder today, are you bearing that burden alone? And is it taking you into a spiral of fear and anxiety in isolation, back and forth. Uh, so that's kind of the anxiety. This like future-oriented worry is what Paul's talking about. And I want to just look at tonight briefly uh, three Ps that can move us away from anxiety and into freedom and joy. Uh, this 
passage begins with the word rejoice. And we were meant to rejoice. And so the three P's I want to look at are the presence of God, prayer, and ultimately the peace of God. And so first of all, the presence of God, uh, you know, at the end of verse five there, it says, the Lord is at hand. Another way to say that is the Lord is near. And what does that mean? It means a few things. The first thing it means is that God is near in the sense that he came to live among us. He came to live in our world and he knows what it's like to be poor and he knows what it's like to be hungry. Uh, When God became a man, he actually gave up his right uh, to know exactly what would come tomorrow, uh, to just know everything. And so uh, Jesus uh, knows what it's like to be us in a way uh, that is amazing. And so when we wonder about our future, Uh, The God that we serve and the God that we love can identify with us. He knows what it's like, but he's also present in the sense that he's actually with us. Uh, He's given us his spirit, and he's actually present here among us and with all Christians and at every moment. Uh, In other words, he sees and he hears it all. Uh, He's involved in the day-to-day minutia of life. He knows your schedule. He knows when you're registration time is. He knows what the class average was on the test you just took. Uh, He cares about that stuff because we care about that stuff. And he loves us. Um, A lot of you know I have a daughter, Margot. Uh, She's three and a half. And uh, because I have a daughter named Margot, who happens to love TV shows like like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, uh, I know all these songs. You know, I could just stand up here and sing like, you know, you got to try new food because it might taste good. Or like friends help each other. Yes, they do. It's true. I could do that all day long. Okay. Why? Because it's so, those are so important to me and they matter so much. No, because they're important to my daughter and they matter to her. And we need to see that. That's the way that God is involved in our lives. Uh, So God is truly present. uh, But the reality is that God's presence is really easy to ignore, right? Uh, We can go long periods of time uh, forgetting that God even exists. We can block it out completely. And so what that means is that we need to practice his presence. We need to be reminded of it. We need to enter into it uh, and move each other toward God's presence often. And it's this discipline that we need to develop in order to thrive in God's world. And there's lots of ways we could do it, but community is really one of the best ways. Uh, You know, we have RUF every week, partially because we need to be reminded that God's with us every week. You know, we have Bible studies that meet throughout the week because we need to be reminded often that God is with us, that it's true. Uh, We need to practice living in this reality so that when the future becomes uncertain, we don't immediately shift into panic mode. Um, so there's a, one other really important way to practice his presence, which is my next P, which is prayer that's mentioned in this passage. And we could spend weeks at our UF just talking about prayer. I'm just going to be brief tonight. Uh, but, um, you know, one thing... I do, I like to do a lot that I mentioned already is that I love to meet with you and hear what's going on with you guys. And uh, many, many times in my time at UConn, I've met with 
uh, students like yourselves, and, and we've talked about some difficult trial or some different, difficult decision that has to be made. And the first question I always ask is, are you praying about it? And almost overwhelmingly, the answer is no. And the reason I ask that question is because I'm the same way. Uh, I tend to, you know, when something is really stressing me out and something is really like kind of a front burner issue, uh, the thing that I tend to do the least is pray, is to stop and pray. And what we need to see is the reason that we don't pray, prayerlessness, is because we don't think we need to. There's just no, you know, we would, if we really thought we needed to pray, we would pray. And it wouldn't be, time wouldn't be a hindrance or anything like that. But the reason we don't pray is because we don't think we need to. And often the times that we do pray are when things get so, so bad uh, that we realize we're helpless and then we begin to pray. But up until that point, we live as if we're in control. If we can be uh, in charge of everything. And one writer puts it this way. He says, prayer and helplessness are inseparable. Only he who is helpless and truly pray. And so what that means is to cultivate prayer, we need to cultivate helplessness, which is why Paul is very careful here to mention thanksgiving. You know, he says prayer with thanksgiving. And I want you to think about that, the connection there between thanksgiving and helplessness. You know, what if we took a few minutes every day or every week to give, just give thanks to acknowledge, you know, what has God done what are the things that God has done? What are the things he has given me? Uh, and what we would realize if we did that is that he's done a lot, that he does a lot, uh, that God is actively at work to even keep us alive every moment. And if we did that, we would realize that we owe him everything, uh, that all of life is a gift and that we don't control anything. And in other words, we'd realize if we gave thanks often that we were helpless. Uh, So the bottom line is that we need to be near God. Uh, We need to cultivate his presence and our dependence on him through prayer so that we can face the future uh, without anxiety. So we can face the future and all of its uncertainty instead with confidence. Uh, I mentioned already my daughter Margot. Uh, We have a son Asher as well who's about to be one, and uh, because of that, we've done a lot of, like, reading about babies, and we went, before we had our daughter, Margot, we went to, like, classes, because we knew nothing. You know, like, there's all these questions you have, like, what do we do with, like, when this happens or when that happens? And uh, one of the things we learned in our class, which was really helpful, is, like, you know, how much attention is good to give to a baby? You know, like, can you give too much Will you, like, will they get separation anxiety from you if you're, like, too attentive and you're always, like, hovering over them? And what we learned and what a lot of research is now showing is that uh, you really can't give, like, a baby under one year old too much attention. Uh, Babies that are, you know, especially age one and under, like, they thrive under a secure attachment. And so you really can't spoil a baby. Uh, like and what they've what research has found is that not only will you not spoil them, but kids that get a ton of attention from their parents uh, actually step out more confidently into life. Like the it's it's counterintuitive because you'd think like oh they would always just want to be like attached to their parent all the time. But what they found is that the kids that have this secure attachment, the kids whose uh, parents always came when they cried and were always near to them, 
uh, when they begin to walk, uh, are, they're the ones who kind of step out confidently. And what they do is they always look back. They're like, okay, mom and dad are over there, but I'm safe. And they step out into life confident. Like it's the opposite of separation anxiety. And, and what, what, that sh- like, what we need to start thinking of ourselves is as babies. Like in relation to God, we are babies. And what we need more than anything else, like a baby, is the presence of God. We need to be attached. Uh, God invites us to be helpless before him, to be attached tightly to him, so that we might learn to step out confidently in his strength. So that's the presence of God. But the final P I I want us to close and think about is the peace of God. Uh, This passage ends by saying in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And when you think about that, I wonder what you think of when you think of the term the peace of God. Because I always thought of it as like this kind of hyper-spiritual state of like peacefulness, you know. And it's like buildings are falling down all around me and I'm just like in the zone and I'm full of peace and uh, it's not actually talking about that kind of peace because um, and if, if you look at this was originally written in Greek and if you study the grammar then the, the focus is on the peace of God uh, Paul's talking about the peace that God experiences as he rules and governs our world He's talking about what, it must, what must it be like to be God and have all the knowledge and all the power as we encounter hurdles in life and challenges and as we think about our future. Uh, a lot of you know that I like to watch sports on TV and uh, I'm also part Brazilian and so I love to watch soccer and a couple years ago Brazil was playing in the Olympics and they won the gold medal and the match went to a penalty shootout. And uh, something I do when I watch important games on TV is that I record them so that I can watch them again and again and again. And the experience of like watching a game that you really care about later on is so wonderful. Uh, because in the moment when it's alive, you're like panicked. You know, you're going like back and forth like, we're going to lose, we're going to lose. And, but... When you watch that replay, it's just like you get to soak in the glory of it without any of the panic. You know, it's just like, oh, that was crazy. That was crazy. But like it doesn't like destroy you in the way that the live viewing does. Um, And that's what, you know, God knows the outcome of our world already. That's what the peace of God is like, is to approach life uh, knowing the outcome and knowing that, you know, God knows he has the power Uh, to do anything. And so, how can we get that peace? It's saying, like, there's a way that the peace of God can be ours, that it can guard our hearts. How can we get it? Uh, We see it in the last words of our passage. It can be ours, and it can only be found in Christ Jesus. Um, There's a way that everything that belongs to Jesus can belong to us. Uh, We can be in him, and he can be in us. And it happens on the cross. On the cross, Jesus loses the presence of the Father entirely. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Leading up to his death, uh, as he's facing the prospect of going and dying, he's terrified. 
he asks the father, is there any other way? Is there any other way we can do this? And there's silence. Um, I wonder if you've ever heard like other stories of uh, Christians dying for their faith. Uh, there's a lot of uh, stories that have been written down throughout history of Christians that have uh, been burned at the stake or been beheaded, and their last words are always so confident. Their last words are always like, you know, I would do this like a million times over for my Savior, and there's this amazing confidence. Um, why? Uh, because they know where they stand. They know where they're headed. Jesus' death is different. When Jesus dies, he takes on the entire experience of being lost eternally and alone. And he takes it as a man. You know, God, that's why it's a really big deal that God became a man. Because the only way that God could save us is if he entered into that reality of being permanently cast out as we would. And he experienced our worst anxiety come true like we would experience it. And so that's what really happens on the cross. Uh, one writer puts it like this. He says, The wonder of the love of Christ for his people is not that for their sake he faced death without fear, but that for their sake he faced it terrified. Terrified by what he knew and terrified by what, by what he did not know. He took damnation lovingly. Uh, in other words, God became a man and he experienced the terror of the worst possible anxiety so that he could give us his peace. So that we could be free from anxiety. Uh, and, you know, what's the opposite of anxiety? It's rejoicing. Do you know that you were made to rejoice? Uh, rejoicing doesn't mean that we're just obliviously happy, like we don't notice the bad things going wrong. Uh, but it means that no matter what we face, we're not cast down. It means that we can focus on what's in front of us instead of spending all our energy worrying about how this is going to be worked out in the future. We can leave the future to him who loves us. Uh, it's only possible if you belong to Jesus. And so let's pray that uh, we would... Uh, draw near to him uh, even tonight. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the promises in it. I uh, pray that you would set us free from the anxiety that uh, holds on to each of us in, on different levels and uh, in different ways, Lord. Uh, might we be able to step out confidently into life, uh, into all the challenges of life and at school, uh, knowing uh, your peace uh, being united to Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.